The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. In a world where nothing is certain can help you to find the right way. should follow today. This way will take you to the best jump from around the world. Welcome to the Identity Matters Worldview Institute. We do thank you for joining the Post-Truth Church Podcast. Last week, we talked about the 10 most common leadership killers. Now, keep in mind that when we talk about leadership, you could be a leader as a child in your home. You may be the eldest child. That puts you in a leadership position to be a role model for the other siblings. You could be a mother. You are a leader. You're leading your children. You're growing them up. You could be a head of a home. You could be a pastor. You could be a corporate leader. So don't be viewing our topic on leadership for just these corporate people because that is not true. And those of you who have already caught on to what we're really teaching, you know that it is Christ as life leadership, is Christ in you, is the leader that you're supposed to be submitting to. And he actually has a brain. He didn't park his brain at the door when he came into your life, your mortal body. He didn't leave his brain out there. He actually has the ability to think through you. Thus, he has the ability to lead through you. If you rely upon self-ish or self-effort leadership or your skills, you may be successful in the world, but you will not receive what is classified as the Hebrew blessing that goes to leaders. And that is what we're going to talk about tonight. The 10 leadership killers are as follows. Number one, not providing feedback upline and downline. If you're a leader, you already know one of the worst things that happens in leadership is that you find out information about one of your subordinates from somebody else. And they didn't pass information upline to you. We've already covered the basics of leadership. The basics of leadership, if you could just picture a person sitting at the center of a conference table, and he's got advisors all the way around him. I have literally sat at a meeting in the White House that functioned exactly like this. It's why the president sits in the middle of the table, doesn't sit on the ends. And they are surrounded by their counsel. 
It's called the cabinet. And they are to feed information to the president. And the president takes that information in order to make the best decision possible. What would happen if each of these cabinet leaders had the modality of, I'm not going to give information up line. I'm going to keep it to myself. Do you understand that's what was in the paper this morning? That there's a leak in the White House administration? Someone is withholding information from the president? I can assure you that there will be a corruption that will spill over into our government and our citizens because of one person being a leak, a coward, withholding all the information from the president. This is how it works. To have a strong, powerful leadership, to have a strong, powerful company or nation, your people cannot withhold information. Besides, God's watching. As it says in Ecclesiastes, be careful what you say, for a little bird will carry those words to the king. This is what is being addressed. Those of you who withhold information from your authority, number one, you have to ask yourself the question, do you know who your authority is? Because if you don't, everything you're going to hear on this topic is null and void. If you don't know who your leader is, there, none of these matter to you. You don't report things up line because you don't know who your authority is. Therefore, you don't know where they are. You don't have their telephone number. You don't have their address. You don't meet with them regularly. Smell and void. Go be an independent. It's the only way you're going to die happy. It's a leadership killer. Two, not making time for those you lead and serve. This has been one that I've struggled with. I'm 63 years old. I've been involved in leadership most of those years. And it has been one of my greatest struggles, and that is, well, how in the world can you lead those to whom you serve and you invite them and you keep recruiting and inviting and recruiting and inviting and recruiting and no one shows up for dinner? It's a problem. I just read you the scriptures that this is becoming a part of the Antichrist movement. Having a liar and betrayer at your table is not something most leaders invite into their lives. But Jesus did it. He was even kissed by one. Then he had Peter who thought he was a bigger leader than what he was. Remember that story? Peter had already set himself out as being a leader among leaders. And he somehow got that associated with love. So Jesus asked him a very simple question. He says, Peter, do you? And Peter responded with, well, not quite yet. I'm just getting to know you. 
You see, fake love tells the leader they're submissive to you, and you're a liar. 602-292-2982. Text me. You are a liar and a coward if you say you love your leader and you act like Peter. You see, Jesus didn't have to come out and say, Oh, Peter, you're a liar. He asked him the first time. Jesus loves asking questions that he already has the answer to. Remember that modality that we talked about is so critical for leaders? Only ask questions that you already have answers to. Save the other ones for you talking to your leader. But when you're leading people, you ask questions you already have answers to. It's what God did when he came into the garden in the cool of the day. Adam! Where art thou? Well, God, do you not have a brain? Can't you see he's hiding behind a bush, scared to death, butt naked? No, he comes in in the cool of the day, not the hot of the day, to turn up the heat on Adam a little bit. He waits until the cool of the day, plan and organize the whole thing. He says, Adam, where art thou? And out of this whole scenario, this is the first and only time that Adam told the truth. Truth. Lie, lie. We'll get you every time. And so Adam responded with what? I'm here where? Behind this bush. Behind this bush. For I am naked. God asks another question. He already has the answer to. He says, who told you that thou art naked? I don't know if God talks in these and thou's or not, but it sounds cool. (laughs) Who told you that thou art naked? You see, he was created naked. You see the dilemma? He wanted Adam to see, we have a problem here, Houston. No, he didn't go into a 40-hour counseling session. He didn't run over to Eve, who he knows she was the one that brought the sin into the camp. So, the door is open for this discussion. Adam. What is this great thing that thou hast done? Look, God, I'm going to take responsibility for this one. You know, my wife was seduced by the enemy and ate from the fruit of death. And then she handed it to me and I went, well, why not? I don't want to be miserable and alone. So I ate with her. Something weird happened. We all of a sudden looked at ourselves and went, we are naked. Something's very different here. So she's hiding behind that other bush over there if you want to know where she's at. No, that's not how it went. He blamed his wife. And then he blamed God. And most people don't realize that in the Hebrew when he said, for the woman which thou... 
has given me. Deceive me. And I ate. Uh-huh. Blaming woman, blaming God. There's no blaming Adam in there. This is quality leadership being displayed for us here. Number three, being too hands-off. God was never hands-off, not from the beginning, and he won't be to the very end. Revelation chapter 21, the last verse. He is not hands-off. He will never be hands-off. He micromanages the universe, past, present, and future. Number four, being too friendly. There's a passage in the Bible that says that God is our friend. But I'd like to see what's going to happen to you if you take advantage of that friendship. If you do not put him in the God position first, the God of the universe, first. That Jesus is his actual son, first. That the Holy Spirit is literally the power of the living God, first. Then you can enjoy the friendship after that. But people who put emphasis on relationships first need to ask themselves, am I truly indwelt by the living God through Jesus Christ? Because it appears to me that you're acting like you're God and you want to be worshipped and treated like you're some kind of special person. You deserve hell, listener. You deserve the pit of hell. You don't even deserve the time of day from eternity. Unless you become a born-again, indwelt believer. Then you receive the literal inheritance of all of Jesus and what he has to give you. But that's not what's in our society today. And it's not what you're having to deal with in your subordinates and people that work for you. So everyone wants to be a friend. And if you don't keep that as the top priority, they defriend you. And I say, good. Because you never want to be friends with anyone else than a truth friend. Someone who is of truth, of Jesus, of God who is the word. I enjoy my friendship with God because I enjoy that he is my father. I enjoy friendship with Jesus because I enjoy the fact that Jesus is my husband. I don't tell my husband what to do. I don't tell my husband what to think. I don't tell my husband what ideas I have to manage the universe. You see, there are things in first place, second place, and third place. And then five, failing to, do, to define the goals and objectives. That's why God gave us the Bible. Six, misunderstanding what motives and what motivates the team. God knows exactly what motivates Steve Finney because he put the spiritual gifts in me. He owns the spiritual gifts. It's a gift. So whatever gifts he put in me is what he uses to carry out his will as the manager. That's why you have spiritual gifts. 
Not so you can stab it and claim it in the name of Jesus to get that Learjet. Gifts are given to give the life of Christ away. Number seven, hurrying recruitment, laying hands too quickly. That's right out of the Bible. Do not lay hands too quickly on someone, particularly newly saved people. So they're not about their wits yet. They're still drinking the milk, not eating the meat. So when you throw a piece of meat at them, they gag and choke and run away. So be careful. Number eight, not walking the walk, lack of power and decisions. Power comes out of walking, power walking. That's where it comes from. Power comes out of the walking. And as the power comes out through these decisions that are made by the leader is what becomes the key motivational factor in leading your people. Number nine is not delegating tasks and power. We were given the spiritual gifts so that God could delegate his orders down to Jesus. And Jesus could delegate the orders to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit living inside you could delegate those through your spiritual gifting for you to carry out. If you're sitting around coming up with your own agenda and your own plan and praying and asking God to join you in it, that's a little bit backwards. And that's how most Christians pray. Asking God to bless something that they came up with. Finally, number 10 is not separating authority from friendship. It's a grievous mistake. It'll kill your leadership every time. I am your authority first, your friend second. Critical little piece. Here's our scripture for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. It says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, Not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to what? Shame the wise. If you just step back and think about how many wise people there are in the world today, since we are an educational, qualified, certified culture, you can't even get certain jobs without having these pieces of paper. These are the people that he's talking about. And we're stuck in this. And we function within this bad modality. So therefore, we won't even let people preach unless they graduate from seminary. And then not only that, they have to graduate from a cemetery that we respect and we consider of high regard. I realized that that did not make a difference when I was attending Oxford Graduate School and people still rejected me the same way. Then I thought I need two doctorates. 
So I started my second one at Oxford. And guess what? People still treated me the same way. It doesn't work. The more qualified you get, the less qualified you get with God. And this is our passage. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despise God has chosen. That's you, me, the despised ones. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. His doing, not yours. Who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. I brag a lot. And honestly, most of it is in the Lord. Because I know where this stuff is coming from. I know who gets the credit. And anything I stuff in my pocket is called stealing. Any credit that I try to take that belongs to God, it's called stealing. It's taking the cream off of the top for myself before I pay my tithe to the Lord Jesus. It's stealing. I remember a couple that Paul was referring to that had to be put to death by God because they would skim off the cream. Remember? Oh, go ahead and take that story lightly. Everything that I have, everything that I do, everything that is supposed to flow out of me doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. Here's an objective for us. God chooses weak and dependent leaders. So you know the general character and condition of those who are truly indwelt. If you're indwelt by Christ, you pretty much know how to see it in somebody else. If you're not indwelt by Christ, it will be impossible for you to see it in others. Also that they have not seen, not have been chosen from the wise, the rich, the educated, but from humble life. The design of biblical problem solving is to show that the gospel did not depend on the the success of human wisdom. His point is this, that in fact those who contain the indwelling wisdom did not have it because of elevated training or ranks of life, but that God had shown his power by choosing those who were ignorant, which means without knowledge, independent, not independent, dependent on some leader. 
and abandon of self-knowledge and tapped into the true leader, and that is Christ within them. So who are these weak leaders? The thing stated in our passage as foolish among people is an expression referring to those who were impotent of formal learning, community position, wealth, and self-established power, and who were or are considered as fools to the common world of educators, who were despised and threatened by these worldly qualified teachers of the gospel and or the leadership modality that they practice. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.